0: I have a I have this long game theory like I it's a, it's always a long game like I mean you cannot make a decision today uh, without keeping in mind the
1: end game um, would you say that most people are aware of that
0: yes I think where people get stuck and is that they get too fixated on the Specificity of the end game. Oh yeah. And so they're focused on like the goal, whereas like I think that people that maybe have a little bit more success with it understand that the goal is a is a really nebulous thing. It, it you know, it, you can't be like, I want exactly this because it's not gonna turn out that way. No, so you have not. to be comfortable with this kind of changing, but still meeting your needs, because the important decisions are what are you doing tomorrow.
1: What does it take to live your best life on your terms? To change how things are done? How do you need to show up as a leader so you feel capable of making a difference? What needs to happen that has us able to confidently say we are truly living, leading, and operating our businesses and our lives from our purpose? Join me over drinks as I go behind the scenes to reveal the freedom, fulfillment and success this sort of radical thinking has had in the personal and professional lives of my guests. That fulfillment piece is the... It's the key. It's the key. It's the the holy grail. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's the difference maker for everybody. So we're gonna do it over drinks. Yeah, let's do it. And you said you brought uh, some drinks.
0: I have two... Okay, so I brought um, 88. Dry Hop Sour, so 88 Brewery, a new brewery. I brought two new Calgary breweries. I guess saying new is, you know. I've never heard of these guys. No, they're great. So the reason I brought 88, I like their beers, number one, that's important. Number two, we're doing a collab with them with proof. Um, So we're doing a uh, barrel aged uh, um, sour, and it's kind of uh, emulating. Uh, we wanted, So they came to us. They were like, we want to do like a cocktail style uh, beer. Right. You know? Like right. try and get the flavors of a cocktail into a beer kind of thing. And so what do you think? And we had a really good discussion over a bunch of drinks. <laughs> Go <laughs> figure. Is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we, we kind of came to the idea that we thought a sidecar, which is like a traditional cognac-based cocktail, which is like a little bit sweet, a little bit citrusy. Um, Those flavors work well in certain types of beer. So they went ahead and uh, because they had an old cognac barrel, which was perfect, that's kind Mm. of what started down there, we uh, decided to do a barrel-aged kind of sidecar sour. So it's coming out right away. I haven't tasted it yet. They keep emailing me and saying like, oh, it's getting better, it's getting better. And I got an email last week being like, okay, we're pretty much there. Let's start talking about uh, bottling it. We're calling it Battle Cat.
1: Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, a little nod the to the 80s. Yeah. yeah, a little
0: He-Man nod. Yeah, dude. That's so good. That's and amazing. some of the, the colors are going to be the same as Battle Cat, like that I'd be disappointed fuchsia if they and, weren't. and orange. Like, yeah. oh, it's going to be great. Um, so we'll be selling that at Proof as well as Vine Arts, and they'll be selling it at the out of the brewery as well. So their brewery is, uh, what's the area called? Like, it's kind of just uh, south of Inglewood, of um, sort of by the uh, the farmer's market there. Uh, oh, yeah. Near, near Dandy? Uh, yes. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just a little just bit around, further south. Yeah, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so, popping up everywhere, right? Oh, everywhere. And like we, at first they were popping up and it was, um, there was two or three like really um, exceptional examples of, of, of dead, dead serious beer makers making really great beers and there was some that were um, maybe not, you know, hitting. Quite up to the, that not quite up to that par. But a couple things happened. Some of those ones that were just like, you know, not quite up to par early on, have really kind of like dialed their game in it. I mean, that's how it is, right? Like it you takes gotta go time. Through it. Yeah, you got to figure out, you got to, and if you pay attention and, and recognize your mistakes and make a few adjustments, I've done that many times in my career I'm in the middle of doing it right now. Um, they've improved. And also there's been like, just a bunch of fantastic breweries opening Mm. up these guys cabin um these are the other guys eh? yeah so cabin uh i brought the retrospect and pale ale uh they're uh three guys uh home brewers basically uh and like we're winning home brewing awards so like there's like amongst home brewers there's like a little um uh, friendly competition uh where they you can enter these competitions as a home brewer uh and then the beers are judged and and so they'd won, uh, what's his name? I think it's Johan, the the lead brewer. He'd won a couple home brewing competitions and, and decided like, oh, let's do this, right? Um, and so they're making really good beers as well. Mm, uh, amazing. I mean, there's but there's a bunch. Yeah. Establishment Brewing, I always bring them up. They're fantastic. I love Annex too. Like, and, and I haven't heard of any of these guys. This is it? You gotta go head down to the brewery belt,
1: have some beers. There's like something, I heard a number thrown out like, something crazy, like 150 or 200 new I, beers.
0: I don't even have a clue. Like, I mean, I, I, mean, I should, because I own a retail store. But, like, it's honestly overwhelming. So we get, uh, somebody walks in every week. I wish I was exaggerating. It's not. Like, every, every single week, somebody else comes in and is like, hey, start a brewery, here's our beers, check them out. Oh, and great. you're like, it's great. You get to try a whole bunch of stuff. But there's some that have really kind of elevated themselves uh, above the fray and, like, some for some reasons it's their marketing. They've done like a really clever job with their marketing. Some their beers are just incredible. They've done an incredible job brewing. And then like the ones that are kind of really crushing it are the ones that like their marketing's on they point. Got they both. got great looking cans and they're brewing unbelievable beers. And I think I would say both of these are yeah yeah I, I like what
1: the, I like their style eighty eight style is pretty cool yeah
0: they were kind of going for that Calgary eighty eight Olympics vibe yeah, like they're kind of throwing back their design. I'll I'll shout out Mark Rimmer and Banff design he's a brilliant That's uh a graphic designer in town and uh he's done a lot of work for me too and he's also a lovely character who i tend to have really good conversations with as well, well I, had I had one this figure. morning i had a coffee meeting me. with him this morning so
1: amazing yeah. well let's crack her let's up. let's crack a beer um, do, did you need a uh,
0: well we can start with this bad boy yeah. i think it looks like the car ride wasn't too erratic no foam Yeah, so this is like uh, I hate to use the word straightforward uh, because it maybe doesn't do it justice, uh, but um, um, a kind of a traditional pale ale style. So um, you know, you get some dry hopping; it's pretty fragrant, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. but still, you know, um, what what I guess like beer drinkers would call a lighter beer, right? Like not like super in your face uh, hoppy. Uh, you know, not like dark and not and like roasty water. malty, but not water. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of it's it, the idea with pale ale is that you're getting some of that dry hopping going on, so it's not adding like a ton of bitterness, but you're getting like a lot of hop characteristic out of it. But it also pale ale is like you shouldn't be overpowering the malt. There should still be like maltiness into Good. it. Yeah, it's so like like cheers, my man. Cheers. Well, you know, I sell this
1: stuff. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's great. Good, that's good. A yeah, good. I'm, I'm not a, a big fan of the, the hoppy beers, and no, this is nice. Well, so I, when I was
0: picking beers, I was like, because you never know people's style, right? Totally. So it's like, if you stick to this kind of
1: spectrum. It's a good balance. Yeah,
0: right? and everybody would be happy. You're still having beer. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, I usually drink lighter alcohol dark beers. So it's like a very, like, limited kind of segment of the Hyper-ish. market. Um, but, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm normally like a one or two beer guy. And then I'll start crushing wine and cocktails.
1: <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, and then I'm done for the night. But that no, that's not
0: the case. Well, maybe lately I'm trying to be a little healthier. <laughs> uh,
1: well, let's um, let's talk a little bit about yeah, man. what I had initially set up. And um, so has has this business, the business of um, hospitality, uh, running restaurants and. Uh, and the, the, the wine and spirits, like that whole industry. Has that always been the industry that you've been in? Uh,
0: yes. I mean, there was a brief uh, period of time where I was kind of away from it, but um, I didn't stray far. So I, I grew up in the hospitality industry and the restaurant industry. One of my first full-time jobs was uh, restaurant work. Um, and I loved it. I always loved it. I stuck with it until my early twenty or like mid 20s right um mid to late 20s i guess and then uh but you know being in calgary I, I briefly moved to oil and gas but i kind of like still had my toes in the water um i was working part-time at a wine store uh just to still you know uh, have the be around the products and things I, I i really liked uh wines and beers and spirits and and the hospitality industry in general so while i was working in oil and gas i was still kind of uh, doing that and then that's when I met my business partner. And we opened up Fine Arts the wine store the retail store first and then proof and then and Then I quit oil and gas and we opened up the second fine
1: arts and Donamac What was uh, what what is it about the industry that had you just In right from the beginning.
0: It was genuine. I, 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 I Get to ask that question a lot. I think it was just it was it, it seemed genuine to me um, And I mean even at a really young age when I first started I um, that was important to me. So I felt like I was having genuine relationships with people. It wasn't, uh, and I felt like it was a genuine meritocracy, which is important for me. You know, it's so
1: fascinating when I look at, you can't, if you're to be successful in the hospitality industry, you can't not be genuine. It's tough. Because, <laughs> because if you're not genuine and you're in the industry, yeah. Uh, well, your 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 primary currency for reputation is gone. Yeah, yeah. Right now, you got to now you got to um, uh, count on turnover and, and, and like just a, a frequency of people. But then even at that point, if people don't like coming to to your establishment, whatever it is, yeah. they're not coming back.
0: Well, so you're right. I think that there's like a um, kind of a split there. Like, I mean, you can have uh, if you're not genuinely in it because you're a genuine person and you genuinely love it. You can still be successful, I think, but you have to kind of keep yourself out of the picture. Right. And hire genuinely, genuine people. Right. And that does happen, especially at the big, uh, some of the big boys that uh, that make a lot of money. Like, it's a, it's a they're, they're businessmen first.
1: And uh, I mean, maybe that, that wasn't always the case. They get that that's a critical component,
0: though. Absolutely. Yeah. It is critical. I yeah. mean, on the floor, people facing, that is an absolutely critical component. People come to dine and they come to drink. But they also come because they want to feel welcome and noticed and cared for, and like those are all components that like a lot of places I think forget about uh, maybe uh, too quickly, um, and that often happens when maybe the the person who uh, is the space that created the space or or um, owns the space or uh, you know pays their own checks to themselves from the space uh, is maybe taken a back seat and doesn't put the right people in place and that's kind of when you lose that like you know people go into spaces and they look for the owner they see if they can find the owner right right or the manager right and there's a big difference between like you know
1: somebody who's managing the space and somebody who it's like the cheers, takes care of the space yeah for sure the, that construct of, of being part of community yeah you know, of family right it's an extension of family
0: yes and I mean it's a difficult uh it's it's a such a key component like and we're gonna start talking about obviously like how you find balance in your life and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a key component, and it's one that I think eventually uh, you get to a certain size. Like you have to find a way to balance itself because you just can't be there all the time,
1: right? No, it's impossible yeah, you have to you, find good people. And you can balance it if you're uh, if you're clear that that that's why you're what you're in the service of of providing. Yeah, right? yeah. And that's where it starts to get um, a little bit tainted and. <laughs> compromised um in in your industry and given the fact that you've been in it for so long you've got a great context for it there's a there's what's working and what works really well and then there's the lie the thing that people are uh, are making some assumptions around or maybe fed you know, like this is th- this thing over here. If you're, if you're to, you know, it's a, the the get rich quick type mentality, mm-hmm. get in, get out kind of thing. What is that in your industry?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a fickle industry. So I, I mean, to peg it down to one thing, it depends a lot on markets. Mm. And uh, like, if you want to say, I could tell you, I could speak more intelligently to it, I suppose, on what that is in this
1: market. Right. Um, In in terms of uh, like local market here in Calgary? Here in
0: Calgary just because...
1: I think that's important
0: too. Well, markets are so different and and, and I think we do. So like I've had a lot of success uh, going to larger markets um, and seeing something that's working there exceptionally that hasn't maybe hit the Calgary market yet or maybe not hit the Calgary market yet in the manner in which I want to present it. Um, and, I mean, Proof was one of those. We had, there was cocktail bars before us and very good ones. Um, Milk Tiger being one of them. But they weren't doing it in the way that we had seen. Are they in still some around? Bigger, yeah, they're still around. they still great cocktails. I still pop in and have one. Um, but they weren't doing it like, kind of like, Proof wanted to do it. And uh, so we had great success taking something from a different market and, like, kind of recreating it and, like, having a feel that, like, this was ready to go. But um that can be a fallacy too like uh you know things that are happening in new york right now in the food scene um certainly they may end up making their way to calgary uh but they may never uh and and people are people are finicky fickle uh you know we're very very down to earth in this part of the world uh and i mean sometimes it doesn't feel that way but like i mean I, I, me looking at the entire market uh, and I'm mean calling it a market but it is a market of people is it, it very down to earth very like meat and potatoes and um, it's something that the Calgary restaurant scene sometimes struggles with. Uh, they want to be innovative. They want to be innovative and they want to push the envelope and I do too but not to my own detriment, right? So mm. it's it's you have to still recognize like what's in front of you. And you can be the most talented chef, the most talented bartender, the most talented restaurateur uh, in the world and have an amazing idea that we would necessarily fly in a major American city but you plop it here. And uh, it's not flying. Uh, people don't get it. They, they're not interested. Uh, and I mean… Like I'm not saying that maybe necessarily I've seen examples of that here, because you can also screw it up and, and uh, certainly we've done that in the past, we've hit home runs, we've screwed up, but you could have a perfect concept that would work perfectly in a major market and try it here and people wouldn't get it. Right. And um, it's just a reality, if you don't recognize it then you know, you're, you're going to struggle a little bit more than you need to struggle.
1: Well, and there's an uh, assumption that we tend to make, right? Uh, we're optimistic. Um, I'm certainly an idealist at heart. And and uh, while the, the marketplace or, or status quo of, of culture or wherever it is that you play might be, like, this is what we do, this is who we are, this is what we expect, there yeah. will always be those outliers yeah. that push the envelope, right? And, yeah. and I think it's a, a healthy... We need that mm-hmm. in order to grow as, as a society and, and not get too, too um, meat and potatoes. Yeah. Right? Like uh, they're, they're, that only will take you so far um, and then it, it creates its own series of problems that um, you almost regress a little bit as a, as a society if, if that gets too far.
0: Well, and I think that our, our market's a great example of that. Like mm-hmm. we, we're we, had, we were That's it. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, pubs and nightclubs forever and ever and ever. When there was so many cool things going on in other parts of the world uh with like you know cocktail bars and and obviously the laws had a bit to do with it but with like brew houses and things like that and like we were just so stagnant here and then there was like this flash of like hope where like things loosened up breweries started opening up and that's great and they're doing very well and like cocktail bars kind of became a thing we helped be like to believe we had a hand in that and helped with along with that and so that cocktail scene started to come around you know, unique spirits started to become a little bit more interesting, younger people started drinking wine, wine bars kind of started to pop up, and you're like, oh man, this city, this, it's changing. We're having yeah, like this, there's like, some vibrancy. there's some vibrancy and there's yeah. some like uh, eclectic uh, uh, concepts opening up. And then things kind of went a little bit hard in the economy, and we did, we did, like I felt it, and I think if you talk to most people in my industry, they'll say they felt it, there was like a kind of a quick snapback, a little bit of a regression. Um, where, and I don't know what this is, but like, I don't know if it's a collective trauma or like, or like what, what exactly it was, but it was just like, we kind of snapped back into, into pubs and burgers and and fries. And like, it just kind of happened a little bit and we, we were like, oh man, we were on this cusp and instead of like jumping into it, it feels like we kind of pulled back. And there's, there's a number of factors too, right? Like, um, when people... Uh, have a lot of success in this city uh, as uh, chefs or bartenders and they tend to move on to bigger cities uh, which is unfortunate. I, I wish more of them would stick around and stay and, and like really kind of like help drive yeah. this. Why do you think that is? Uh, well if they don't have ownership in the business um, there is just greater opportunity uh, I think for not necessarily growth of your income or, or you know like you're not going to necessarily move to Vancouver to
1: open your but own but contribution, place.
0: but your contribution and and your uh, I guess visibility yeah, yeah. within the industry. Yeah, totally. Uh, that's important to people, uh, and you I mean like the, voice. in this economy that we have now, uh, you know, your your persona, uh, your digital persona, or your your reputation, uh, how you're perceived. Uh, is very very it can be very very important and it can be
1: uh also it can help you make a lot of money right like it can be uh quite lucrative well with everything being so connected with the internet yeah uh, it's very easy for someone to to come across jeff jameson and be like dude this opportunity here in barcelona new york or what have you like come to us yeah in the interest of, of building reputation and um and unfortunately losing sight of, and, and there's no fault to this, and, but, but to know it and be aware of it, and this is part of why I want to have this conversation, to know and be aware of um, what, how, what is it that, why are you doing what you're doing at the end of the day? Yeah, you know I what think, I mean? yeah, well because I mean. Because it will drive the decisions that you make, and the sooner that you are clear, not that like that's the end all be all, but the sooner that you, you have that measure of clarity to, to build from, you're more, you're more clearly and, and more in control of the choices that you're making because they actually resonate with who you are and, mm-hmm. and what it is that you want to do. And if you're a local guy who, who wants to build uh, the local community, like that, you got so clear about that. There wasn't anything else, no smokes and mirrors, no shiny objects uh, pulling you away, the inauthenticity of it, right? Uh, and then you being over in, in Barcelona or what have you going, this isn't fucking it. Like, what, yeah. what the hell happened? Yeah. And feeling a bit lost in the process. Th- that's that's part of it, right? Like oh, we, totally. When we're not clear about what it is that we want to do, we, we take the opportunity. We yep. do the thing.
0: Absolutely. And I think prop- well, that's a big reason why a lot of people that have had success in this city, part of that equation is committing completely to yeah. like doing it here, right? Um, and it can be very difficult and very challenging and frustrating. But if you're committed to it, um, you know a little bit of patience, and, and I mean you can have your success. But it's a it's a, it's a tricky game. market. It's a long game. It always is a long game. And I mean, and it actually doesn't matter
1: what game you're playing. You got to do the long game.
0: I've, I have a I have this long game theory. Like I, it's a, it's always a long game. Like I mean, you cannot make a decision today. Uh, without keeping in mind the end game,
1: um, w- would you say that most people are aware of that?
0: Yes, I think where people get stuck and is that they get too fixated on the specificity of the end game. Oh yeah. And so they're focused on like the goal, whereas like I think that people that maybe have a little bit more success with it understand that the goal is a is a really nebulous thing it it, you know you can't be like I want exactly this because it's not gonna turn out that way so you have to be comfortable with this kind of changing but still meeting your needs because the important decisions are what you're doing tomorrow like if you you know you're not gonna get there and you're never gonna get to where you well not never it takes a very special type of person to get exactly where they've pinpointed their life can be. And tenuous. you got to
1: wonder if that, if that is what they get to, was that actually what they wanted? Yeah. Or were they so preoccupied with whatever they created? It's like the obligation and the responsibility and you know, well, I created it. I got to do it as opposed to, no, I'm excited about the, the idea of what I could create over there. Yeah. And I think that's part of, Uh, not i think this is part of the problem you any industry whatever it is we let's look at um let's keep it hyper in in this industry let's look at uh, being a a chef sure you go to school right you you invest an insane amount of time uh to to be to have that um that that profile of of being like a a world-renowned chef
0: like the skill set we're talking about yeah
1: yeah and of so, cooking, of and cooking. creating, okay. yeah, and 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 people will spend a shit ton of time. I'm I'm asserting that in school to, to achieve that, right? Yeah,
0: or staging, traveling around,
1: working with other chefs. Yeah, right. A ton of their time. Well, what if halfway through, you're like, this is not what I wanted.
0: Yeah. Well, I think too. Another example, like I mean, this is kind of the same thing from another angle. Is that uh, you know these chefs. W- often will spend all of this time learning their craft uh, but the the kitchen part of their craft right like they will stage they will um, they'll go to school they'll learn technique they will focus uh, and work and try and work with the best chefs that they have around them and try and hone in that technique great if your goal is to be an amazing chef then you're on the right path if your goal is to own your own restaurant you have missed you kind a of huge. Po- you went off. Yeah. You went off tangent. You you focused way too much on one thing because you have to be able to talk to bankers and investors, and there's a whole other bunch of shit that may not be as romantic. Like you want to pre- learn how to prepare a schedule properly, and you want to know what a P and L looks like and how you can affect it. Uh, through the decisions you make day to day, and how do you set up an order guide? And is our prep chart like yeah? Those are the things that are going to make you a chef that owns his own
1: business, right? You know, because as opposed you can, to a master of the craft, a
0: master of the craft. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a master of the all. craft, and there's nothing wrong with being the type of person. And I know many of them that are just dialed in on running a kitchen, but they're not the most creative types, uh, like when it comes to food. Um, and so for me, I mean, obviously the, the, obviously the the best example is somebody who is like really focused on their craft, but understands that there's a bigger picture to, to a kitchen. Absolutely. Um, using that kind of like position as a, as an example. Um, but that goes for any job, right? Like, I mean, I think people too, it's to say any kind of, um, you could you could use sport you could use business you could use when you get focused just on like the tasks that you're responsible for you're leaving so much on the table um, you're not going to you're not going to hone your communication skills and you're not going to hone like can i take over a room you know like can i those sorts of things are important um, and yeah people get caught up in those little and i think again it's like a, it's a, it's an unclear and undefined um, and sometimes too rigid idea of what the future is you have supposed to
1: be. have absolutely no idea oh, God. what the next steps are, truly are, to move you towards that objective. You can make your best guess if you're clear enough and you understand that like in, in, the, in the ballpark of where I want to play, this is where I want to land, and so these are the sorts of things that I need to, um, to focus on and what happens and any industry insert any industry it doesn't matter where you are we get hyper focused and obs- almost to the point of obsession um not even realizing that that's what's happening mm. we don't even realize that that's what's happening we've just become so narrow sighted, and and the blinders are on and we're just plowing forward and then we find ourselves 10 years ahead and we're like finally we come to our senses you know Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like uh call it a a midlife crisis Mm -hmm. right and we look around and we're like where the fuck are we oh yeah what what on earth happened
0: all the time yeah
1: and we're left um trying to now fill in the gaps to make sense of where we got to by by measure of, of the steps that we had taken or what what we can best recollect yeah for sure and we're left in a place now where we're super frustrated, Yeah, uh, left unfulfilled, scared. Uh, um, we, we feel like we've lo- there's something missing. Yeah. And we don't know what to do about it.
0: But that happens to everybody, I think. Like, I mean, those are feelings that, like, if they don't creep up within you, whether you're having what you would determine or what, what the outside world would determine as success or not. I think uh, if you don't have a moment where you fear that like you are heading critically down the wrong path then you're probably not paying much attention to what you're
1: doing yeah um unfortunately there's a lot of people there yeah they're caught in that space but the opportunity uh is that there is a a paying attention to there's signs that happen right there's Mm. there's a pull around like there's a, the, the hesitation that we would normally just kind of diminish and uh, and it, uh, d- dismiss as like not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and for men in particular, that is a, a substantial cultural influence of like you should already know what you're doing and what direction you should be taking and there should be no confusion.
0: Dude, the, the, the male propensity to avoid mentorship is ridiculous and then it but it's it's i don't know what it is it's in, it's in our dna we're we're, we're I, and i generationally, really generationally, man yeah like we're supposed to know what's going on uh you're supposed to have your shit together so to speak and, and
1: that's like, a, such a fallacy
0: oh yeah like christ like i without mentorship uh and i mean some of it direct right like some of it like direct mentorship but a lot of mentorship i think for men too is indirect like you just kind of watch what somebody you idolize is doing um and if you're lucky enough to be close to them work close with them day to day uh i think that's how a lot of men get like they're kind of it's 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 an indirect kind of like mentorship where it's like but like and you know the 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 people right next to you are the important kind of mentorship like i'm looking at your you know your table mm. like that type of like Jocko Wilnick, uh, brilliant right like i mean and i'm glad that people like men are now starting to be comfortable like uh listening to the voices of successful men or men who strive to be the best that they can possibly be every single day of their lives um because that's a positive thing and i think men for a long time kind of sloughed it off as like hokey uh you know like um you know being unreal like uh, not realistic about the realities of the world right and
1: there is a uh further on that it's it's a thing men who aren't real men do yeah exactly right like the 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 inauthentic the the construct of of of, uh ages and millennia of uh, of subconsciously influencing our boys as they become men yeah um that that is not a thing that you do and so uh, and the missed opportunity of not investing on, in yourself truly what it is what it is
0: well, it's kind of it's baffling to me that uh, our society like Western society kind of went down that road. it's it's rather I think I wouldn't say recent I guess in the, the, the grand scale it's recent but like um, if you think about like duty and like what it was duty honor what it was to kind of like be a man or quote air quotes man um, uh, even in the 50s, towards the sixties, right? Like there was like a clear, like, I mean, th- there was a, a, a an external morality, an external archetype of like yep. the idea of what a strong man was. And it was a positive one, uh, a very positive one. It got a little muddied, um, you know, in the sixties and seventies. I don't think in a negative way necessarily, but in a way that uh, it became, you um, I don't want to say more feminized, but like just more soft, right? Like a a little bit more caring and a little less of that like rigid manly madness, um, which is not a bad thing. But then it just kind of carried down the path, I think to the point where, uh, not only did it become kind of like muddled as to, uh, what, what is kind of a man, but it also bordered into the realm of shame. Like you're supposed to feel shame for, being strong. Like, yeah, or, 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 asserting, or asserting yes. some sort of dominance in a situation or something
1: like that. You or, don't do that.
0: You don't do that anymore, right? And it's like, well, no, but you do. Because that's where your meaning comes from. Like, you know, if you can, nothing feels uh, uh, better, I think, than, you know, having an idea of something that you want in life and then going and getting it and achieving it and doing it in a way that doesn't hurt others, You know, like I I'm not talking about like stepping all over people and using power to get your way. I'm talking about like setting goals, being unapologetic about what those goals are, attacking them, achieving them, and then taking pride in them, right? Like we just don't seem to do that anymore. It doesn't...
1: It's it's so great that you put it that way because uh, really it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. And if we but as as a society we we tend to go to extremes like we're, we're oh, a yeah. pendulum swinging right and and if it's not one side it's another uh, and it always comes at a cost so regardless of of what it is that we're doing and 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 i I totally echo uh, this this thing that men are dealing with because we are actually in in the age of an empowered woman yeah which is good it is good it's necessary and it's and, and it also requires balance, of course, right. And, and, but this is what we, we fail to realize and it's especially what we fail to realize when, um, and if, if we're to, to just pick the, the this is a conversation about men and what we're dealing with. And, th- and this is a thing that I, that I, I advocate for, uh, immensely this accountability to oneself, uh, and if you're a man, fuck man, like just do the work and, and look internally there is something that you already know deep down inside that you're not doing, that you have uh, suppressed, diminished, uh, tucked away for whatever reason. There's a fear or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. there's an obligation. I'm not supposed to be like this. I gotta be like this, like whatever the fuck it is. Mm. And it has you be less of a man, Mm. just like you would have it be uh, in the same case as a woman, have her be less of a woman. Yeah, for sure. Right? You're not embracing woman well, is. You're less of yourself. You're less of
0: your being. And I, I, I for me personally, um, I feel like uh, humor for me is, is one big one where I like used to say things that I was comfortable saying because I found them humorous and I've stopped doing that to a certain degree, right? I've gotten to the point where um, I've been, I still do it, obviously, in in circles of friends that I trust and that I know and that I love, and people who know who I am and uh, truly and, and where I'm coming from. It's hard to speak freely in public these days, your mind, without fear of judgment about your thoughts, and what a terrible place to be in as a society when people aren't able to just... Speak what's on their mind, right or wrong, yeah. and, and because of, out of fear of judgment, right? And not just judgment, but perhaps canceling. Do you know what I mean? Like full on, it's not just judgment, because really we should be strong enough to take judgment and, and be able to, um, you know, either put it behind us or learn something from it. So maybe, maybe we are actually wrong in what we say. But when you're like, r- job. Uh, your standing in society, your status, or whatever, is potentially at risk for a belief that you, at your core, believe to necessarily be true. That's a that's a pretty tough place to be, and that goes for men, women, like both sides of the
1: political spectrum, the whole nine yards. So, but that alone is a, a crazy rabbit hole to go down. And I know you and I have had we've, we've gone down, many down that rabbit hole once or twice. Before. But you point to something that was that's really interesting, and that is, we will end up. Uh, making consideration and when i when i look at what this what this podcast is about like what the conversation that that i I really want to drive yeah it's inside of those considerations that we make that uh that uh, dictate the choices that we end up taking that have us now feeling unfulfilled in our lives i would agree and what whatever that is for you and again that's that's like a, mm-hmm. a conversation for another day that is what it is um, but there are steps to take to get back into an empowered place yep and understanding that and and this is the caveat i would say that I, uh, is absolutely necessary in today's day and age mm-hmm. okay you want to go extremist i get it mm-hmm. okay all the power to you and you are not the only kid in the playground so there is also a workability that has to be in place and everybody's responsibility right to come in and and play the game and you talk about the long game Um, we there is a commitment that we as an individual as a person now get to make a choice around if this isn't it, if this thing that I thought was it for me, mm-hmm. that, that, that I was investing so much time and energy in was what maybe it was at a time, but it's not anymore, it is up to me to make a choice to begin to look at what else is out
0: there. Yes. And I think that the problem with that, that I have with that too, just a little bit, is that you have to that premise has to assume that you even know what it is that you want do you know what I mean like absolutely and and and, and it, that like that is and consider most of us don't and most don't and so I agree with you though and so for me I think I've found more solace as I've gotten older knowing that again knowing that like there's certain things that I want out of my life, yes, from like a financial point of view and from a comfort point of view and from a, a family life point of view and those things that I want, I'm not going to attain them to perfection or at least to my perfection or my idea of what that totally, perfection is would be. Mostly it's impossible unrealistic. But what I can do is n- I think I understand that if I am functioning um, uh, in a way that makes me feel good and I mean not to be... Uh, mm-hmm. But like, that's it though. Yeah, in in a way that like I wake up in the morning and I, you know, have a list of things I want to get done. I get most of them done in a manner that I find acceptable and and sometimes
1: better than acceptable. At the end of the day, you're excited about it.
0: Exactly, like killing it. You know, like I'm I'm killing it. I killed it today. I did a bunch of the things I wanted to get done done. There's no net negative in that. I'm you know some of those decisions that I made throughout that day that I were happy that I was happy that I checked off my list. I might have made the wrong decision. But if I, you know, made a large amount of them in succession, chances are I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and be better than I was the day before. You know, and you're gonna have your ups and downs. But chances are I'm gonna be in a better space than I was before. And Peter, you and I have talked about Peterson before, but like that's one of my favorite things that Dr. Jordan Peterson uh, in his philosophy where he says, like, do not compare yourself to either the person that you want to be or the person that you think you can be. Compare yourself to the person that you were yesterday. Mm. Like, have you gotten – you don't compare yourself to somebody else because what is the utility in that? There is absolutely no – a,
1: you, you're, you just set yourself up for failure.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, and, and you can't – you don't even have context. No, like, you there's have no a, idea. You have no idea what
1: that person lives in their daily and life. You're looking through, like, a thumb uh, – Yeah such a small hole into a window of, of something yeah the context is so narrow
0: absolutely and so you can only really compare yourself to yourself and if you've gotten better from the, the, the last day and you're gonna have ups and downs and there's a danger in that that I think people don't um, they fear that they fear where it's like wow, well, if I'm always comparing myself to myself then like what happens when I fail myself right and like that's scary for people I think but I think the more you fail yourself and then get back up you you tend to become more comfortable with it right like you know oh yeah i'm gonna screw a few things up here
1: the thing that i'm clear on what's missing is what you pointed to earlier that well what if i don't know what it is that i'm supposed to do i don't think anybody does (laughs) not not truly it's i think it's part of the journey and you get clearer as you go you make some assumptions along the way you know Uh, And this is where, what I I call it, the the creative chaos. You you allow yourself to be in the uncertainty of the creative process, Mm -hmm. which has no end result. There's no outcome. Exactly. It is just pure creation. Mm -hmm. And inside of creation, anything's possible. Mm -hmm. So if anything's possible, what would you like to create? Mm -hmm. What would make you feel good Mm -hmm. right here, right now, Mm -hmm. and... Uh, and does it check off a few things? Are you making a difference for yourself and those around you, for uh, the environment? Like there are some, some key factors that we just uh, get to include inside of our, our bigger picture because when we do, we feel better. Mm-hmm. There's no morality in it anymore. It's not an obligation. It's just a, a what's so as, as what it means to be a human being.
0: Yeah. I don't think that there's much difference between that process, honestly, And, well, there's a big difference in the processes, but I don't think, like, I'm no doctor, but like biochemically, the same thing. Like you go through the creative process and just allow whatever it is to be created, be created. If you can truly kind of free yourself of your ego and your preconceived notions and everything else and just create. Totally. What comes out the other end uh, you should have no judgment of because you haven't placed any borders no around it. There's no expectations. And I think that gets back to my point of like, look, just like you can have an, a hazy idea of like what your goal is, um, but you have to like just like take those little steps day to day and that goal will change and you can't fault what what is created by your decisions. You just have to go and recreate and like maybe make some tweaks here and there and whatever you've created, you can't resent it either. Because then you're going down, and I mean, if it's your career, if it's your, you know, like, that's one thing people get resentful of their careers. Well, it's like, well, absolutely every decision that has been made up until this point was yours. You know, like you had an opportunity. And that doesn't necessarily, I mean, I know people will say like, oh, but, um, you know, some people are afforded less opportunities and this, and I understand that. But you're still making choices. You're still making choices. You're still making choices that are going to affect where you are today and if you're not happy with where you are today I mean first of all you're not alone there's almost everybody that's the case even those very successful people they're just not happy with where they are right today but it's just a matter of going back and looking at all of the decisions that you've made uh, and how they led you to where you are Mm -hmm. and then starting to make better decisions moving forward
1: you get some learnings from that yeah You, you see what worked you start to see wh- where your curiosities led you, what got created, what you dropped mm-hmm. for reasons of, of uh, uh, disinterest or fear or whatever. And then you get to uh, uh, make an honest a uh, decision around, was that the decision that, uh, that made the best sense? Or did I, when I look at myself, I made, uh, I wandered life for 15 years. I had no idea that I was wandering life. I was just, I thought this was just how life goes, right? And there were things that I were naturally, uh, had a natural inclination for. Um, I thought everybody had a natural inclination for those things, which is, again, another bullshit construct. Yet everybody's got their sweet spot and and their their unique um, contribution that they make. But um, I had it that... And when I tried something and I didn't knock it out of the park like mm-hmm. fucking home run, that that wasn't the thing for me. Mm. Yeah, which then not not necessarily the case. No, it's not
0: the case. <laughs> like you you need to just work on that.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. And and if and, and your point and you in and, and you point to that. It's like if there is a curiosity around it, embrace the curiosity and allow yourself, afford yourself the time. Well I look at my wife. Uh, two years ago she had never done Watercolor. Mm. Uh, when you look at her work now, and uh, and her work then, mm. uh, of course it's like different artists.
0: My wife's an artist too, like uh, singing. Same thing. Like right. I mean, if I, you know, I don't. I don't like to say I'm a harsh critic, but like what she's creating now versus what she created when she was first starting, it's night and day. Like it is. And it
1: requires, demands, a mastering, and you can't master something the first time around. Well, and where is
0: the? There's a famous documentary uh, about the Edmonton Oilers,
1: whom I hate. Um, <laughs> as a Flint My Flint. little boy who doesn't <laughs> re- watch any hockey, I'm not a sports guy. Yeah. He hates the Oilers as well. I'm yeah. Like, well, that's interesting.
0: I can't remember what it's called. Maybe it's "Boys on the Bus." I think it maybe it is. Is that the more recent one? Anyways, it, Gretzky's in it. Okay. And uh, I mean, obviously he worked diligently to get where he was but he did it in his childhood right and it was always and he, there's the scene where he's talking about how serious everybody takes everything and he's like I'm just out there honestly just going and having fun do you know what I mean like yeah, and he's like amazing that he can hold on to that well and so here's the thing though but and I mean maybe I'm a cynic but I look at that like you know I you want to call bullshit on it well I just wonder if he ever like where's the true joy in just being gifted a skill and I mean not that he wasn't didn't work his ass off for it but the work was easy for him and you know like I wonder if he appreciates his skill as much as those of us who get to have an outside view of his skill appreciate it probably not because it was easy for him because not just not to diminish the work he put in but the work he put in he enjoyed so thoroughly and he says that that it was never
1: for somebody else it might have been a shit Fall, show
0: falling down was not a problem for him it was just part of it right and yeah. so there's a, i guess like a kind of uh, uh ignorance is bliss ease to that sort of kind of skill um but for me somebody who like maybe never really had uh just like a very obvious um, skill uh it's like but you know you can't even there's less of an appreciation for like all of the times that you just were terrible you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and were awful and had to like get back up dust yourself off and like be like okay and i'm more of like if you want to continue the hockey analogy like joe sakic that's my guy because he was a journeyman not the greatest hockey player on any team ever but he progressively got better through his career into his 40s and by the time and he had took him into his late 30s before people were like oh this guy's one of the greatest hockey players of all time but he had to work from
1: 12 <laughs> to 40 do you know what i mean mm. if you could give your younger self some words of wind wisdom oh god hmm because you you point to something that's really interesting and it's fascinating because on one hand you have the Wayne Gretzky's of the world, who just seem to fall into something for, by by coincidence, by by design, uh, and they just they go off on, on the trajectory that they go off on. Yeah. And then you've got, I would suspect, a majority of people who are punching way above their class weight. Yeah, always to just try and better themselves. To, to just get by mm-hmm. and get to that next milestone. Yeah. What would you say to your younger self? I, I try to be as very thankful for every decision
0: that I ever and made get to the, get to get where yeah, I am because totally. I'm pretty happy where I am. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, I tried a lot of things and none of them varied deeply Uh. Uh, and so I probably would um, caution myself to you know like keep going and it took me a long time to learn the lessons that I was just talking about like you I aimlessly wandered through my 20s like I was working in an industry that I liked uh, but I wasn't which was kind of Gretzky-esque, well, if you think about I was, it. I was liking it and enjoying it, but, I mean, it was it was more hedonistic than it was. <laughs> than it was, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I I wasn't... I don't think I was improving myself as a person
1: in any way, shape, right. or form. It was a bit more automatic.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. it was something that Easy. I could... It, well, maybe it was Gretzky-esque in this way. It was I, I easily enjoyed it. I liked it. I, I appeared you, to be good at it. You didn't think
1: too much about I it. I didn't
0: have to think too much about it.
1: It's interesting, the parallels... Yes, yeah. as, as you as you create them. So what what would have been? Am I hearing then the, the advice is like to to just be more attentive, spend a bit more time?
0: I would have spent a bit more time, been more attentive on the things that I was exploring. Like I, I was notorious for dropping things. Like I, <laughs> yeah. my father, I'd drive him nuts. <laughs> like I okay, I'm gonna play this instrument now. Okay, I want to do Taekwondo. Okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. and I'm gonna do this, and I mean as a youth that's not necessarily a bad thing, and thank goodness my parents, uh, you know, put up with that and, like, and just would say yes, you know? Like, I mean, as long as you're trying something great, like... So that's great, because they could have very easily been like, we've had enough of this shit. Like, we're not driving it's you something. around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're not driving
1: you around. Which would have had a very adverse effect. Well, probably. Or, or, I shouldn't say an adverse effect. It would have had a different outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why I try not to go back and, like, yeah, make, yeah. Make, make changes, to the butterfly effect and all.
0: But I... I, I would probably be like you know more stick to itiveness if, if if that's a, to use a colloquialism. I,
1: I, I really resonate with that because I also did much of the same. My my attempts and failures had me stop maybe for a couple weeks, maybe for a couple months, sometimes for some years, sometimes never visiting it again. Mm-hmm. They were all kind of in the vein, though of what I had a natural what I was leaning towards I had a natural propensity for mm-hmm. which was just being creative mm-hmm. but had I actually been uh been clearer in understanding of of the the function of the mind and the shit show that it is yep. <clears throat> and the grapple that I had no fucking clue that I was grappling with I just I, I was like in the game and I'm like, oh my God, this is a shit show here. And, and that was it. Like yeah. just walking around. If I would have known that it is just in paying, a, just paying a little more attention to the things that you have some curiosities around and investing more time yep. into it, not to be masterful in it. Because I am a generalist at heart. I, I mean, that, that, that is also my strength. Right. I I am so grateful for uh, the specialists in the world, my neurosurgeon that took the brain tumor out of my head.
0: Yeah. Thank goodness that thank guy God. geeked out on one thing. Hands down.
1: <laughs> right. Like <Yeah. laughs> they are so important. Uh, but what gets uh, diminished uh, and a bit ostracized is um, what, what it means to be someone who is curious about many things.
0: Well, and I mean, yeah, again, I don't have uh, I don't have any ill will towards it I think that I just because I don't have it in me it's something that you know it's missing to a certain degree I wish it was there but I'm with you like I can walk into any room and if somebody is uh, um, you know an expert in a field I can stumble around in the dark because I've done some study yeah and, totally. you know what I mean like I'll be like I'll ask enough leading questions that I Either I am interested or I can appear so, you know, by, you know, because I do. I, I, get, I get down little mini rabbit holes, but I
1: tend not to chase it all the way. You know, so I asked that question um, for those listening as a, as, uh, as something to consider. Yeah, well. And, and it's you... less about the younger self and more about here's where you're at. Yeah. In your life right now, you could be 20, you could be 73, doesn't fucking matter. Yep. What would it look like in your life right now if you actually took that advice? Well, yeah, it would be,
0: who knows, obviously, like, but I think it would be very different. I I know that, um.
1: Well, and consider it. I'm, I'm not necessarily referring to, like, if you'd taken it before, If I took it right now.
0: now, If I took it right now.
1: That like right here. Well, I've kind
0: of taken it right now. Like I, I I actually, I still am a generalist in 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 a lot of ways. But uh, and this thought came to me, but then we we moved on from it. But I would never have crossed into ownership of a business had I not turned into Joe Sackic. Like, do you know what I mean? Had I not turned into the person that was like, okay. I'm not as good at this as I think I am, but I just need to keep hammering and, like, take my lumps and, like, make sure I don't make mistakes twice. Learn from your mistakes. Yeah, exactly. And, like, and just because I don't come by this naturally. I reached the pinnacle of what I could reach by just laissez-faire sloughing it, which was, I ran a restaurant it was an okay restaurant and we did okay and I had my successes and I had my failures but I didn't really care either way and like I made my money and and it was fine. Yeah, the the next step never would have occurred if I hadn't been like, okay, are you going to commit to something like for real? And, uh, yeah, you do need to eventually like go all the way and it is a big commitment. Um, I think I may have been a little bit, it may have seemed smaller in my mind when we first did it than it actually is but like, I think the fear of it uh, that a lot of people have is the size of the commitment. When you start a business, you're like, in the best case scenario for this business, I'm doing this forever. (laughs) Like, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it's going to succeed. And I mean, it's probably my baby forever. Or, you know, I sell it or whatever. So you have to be committed to, you know, having it forever. Because, I mean, I I shouldn't say the best case scenario. Because it really is the most likely scenario the best case scenario, you can maybe walk away from it functionally or sell it or whatever as a business is concerned. Worst case scenario, you know, you just tits up and you're broke and um, you're not doing it very long. The middle case scenario is the, is the, the, the uncomfortable trap where you're still hand to mouth. Uh, you have your job, you have your thing, but it is it needs you and you need it it needs you you need it uh it's become your master and yeah, and, yeah. and 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 you just now it's mine forever
1: you know what i mean and
0: and that's that's i have a great fear about that
1: <laughs> i mean as would anybody because then the next question i i would imagine sh- that shows up is like do i want that to be it yeah is is this it is this the thing that i want well, I mean, it's a trap that maybe you
0: can get yourself out of, but it's uh, much of that—not not all of it, but much of it—can be um, attributed to mindset. Like, uh, hands down, yeah, you have to. People who are, you know, negative first, uh, and their first inclination is to see the bad in something. That's I wouldn't recommend uh, going into business with yourself. It would be a gotta,
1: real brutal
0: experience. Absolutely. Absolutely, you're not doing any yourself any favors.
1: That is almost um, freeing for, for some people maybe who feel like they should do that because yeah. for whatever reason they, they've been fed, but then deep down they know that that's, that's the likely outcome.
0: Some of the happiest people I know, and I mean not that happiness is something you should chase, uh, it's kind of something that comes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, But uh, some of the genuinely happiest people I know Uh, are in a nine-to-five that does not pay uh, what we would consider to be extraordinarily well. But they are set up well enough. Uh, They do not want the responsibility. And they know that about themselves. And it's not like they're a lesser of a person. They just understand that it's like, you know what I like doing at the end of the day? Not thinking about work, cracking a beer and watching the hockey game. And like I have friends like that. They're legitimately very happy it's not a facade <laughs> like it's what and you know and, and I'm envious at times right yeah totally. I couldn't be that person yeah, um, it doesn't work for me personally uh, but I recognize that like that also I mean we we talk a lot about like what it takes to kind of get to where you where you're in control of your life and and you're uh, um, calling the shots and, and you're living your life The at least Uh, You're working towards it. Working towards living your life in the way that uh, you want to most, some of the happiest people on the planet are those types of people that are just like, you know what, I'm really comfortable with this and I'm comfortable with my working class life and uh, you know, there's risks inherent in that too, could get taken away from you at any time. Um, But they're just, they're comfortable and happy in it and great, good for them, that's amazing. Like. takes all colors and kinds, and that's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, if people can find happiness day to day, more power to you,
1: however you find it, yeah. uh, because it's fleeting at best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely not the thing to to strive for. We can't chase it. No, it, uh, it'll always be just out of your reach.
0: Of course. Yeah. It's chasing the wind, man. Like, you cannot, uh, again, like, uh, if I've learned anything recently, it's that, like, happiness kind of just sneaks into your life. Uh, and you kind of have to be in, in the right place for it to sneak in. And to, the best way to be in the right place is to legitimately have uh, meaning, right? Like, so you you, you, attack, you attack meaning first and you, you figure out like what's meaningful to me. And if you can like do good things for yourself that like give meaning you have a better chance of being happy, yeah. know, and a less less of a chance of being miserable. Which, unfortunately, I think is the default setting
1: for many people. Unfortunately, but, you know. <laughs> but that is such great advice. Thank you. Ah, oh, thank you for for just uh, entertaining, and it's obviously you're going to entertain this conversation. Yeah, I love having this. We could have it over and over again yeah. with many different angles. Well, and there there is such a depth uh, that we can go. It can be very uncomplicated. It is right, <laughs> and it's beautiful because yeah. uh, most of us—I shouldn't say most of us—I have no idea. Yeah. But for myself, in particular, yeah. and for some of that I know, we can really complicate things. Yeah, right. We we add in all the extra stuff that's around us that that uh, is vying for our influence and our attention, and we're making it uh, so significant inside of our own little world. Uh, Uh, and making it mean so much about ourselves and and our own capacity and self-worth and all of that, right? And uh, it doesn't have to be that way.
0: No, and I would suggest to people who feel that way, do two things. Get off social media and and listen to more podcasts, maybe. Yeah, yeah, totally, like this one. (laughs) Like this one, exactly. That's awesome, thanks so much, man. Cheers, man, it's always good seeing you. Yeah, likewise.
1: The right leadership changes everything. And for our next generation of game changers striving to achieve what has yet to be achieved, you must be willing to do what has never been done. So make ripples. Lead the charge. Create cool shit that shows others the way to be braver, brighter, and better than we were yesterday. Personally, you owe it to yourself. The more we come together more intentionally to support one another, the sooner we'll all find ourselves not just living, but contributing to the creation of the vibrant, connected communities that fuel dreams. It takes a certain leader to make this happen. So who comes to mind that you would like to hear from? Please let me know and I'll see what I can do to make it happen. Thanks so much for listening. sunset the sunset
0: the sunset 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 the 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 the the